1: Duke fans, welcome to episode 29 of DBR Bites. These are slightly shorter, not quite as long, not quite as in-depth, but still very important. You must tune in. You must listen to every one of these. I am Jason Evans. I'm your host today. Donald Wine is joining me. Donald, we have a football coach, don't we?
0: Hey, uh, shout out to Nina King because uh, did you see her tweet last night to indicate that we had picked a new coach? It was just a plume. It was a It was a smokestack with a plume of blue smoke like kind of like when when we (laughs) like like the vatican
1: yeah (laughs) like the vatican
0: but she she just put she just posted that with no with no uh context or no caption and everyone knew what it meant and then a few minutes later uh they announced the new head coach
1: nice nice i like it so uh the man of the hour is uh manny diaz uh he has had a really really interesting career donald before we get to because you're going to do most of the analysis here Mm -hmm. um i I will freely admit that Donald is more of an expert. He has followed this topic more closely than I have. I've been very busy lately uh, watching movies and voting on movies. I'm a voting critic for a couple film critic agencies, and we've been doing our awards, and I've been like, every free minute has been watching movies. So I haven't been as up on this as I usually would. But Donald, I do want to give folks a little context on who Manny Diaz is and where he comes from. I know there are a lot of people out there who so uh, who go, oh, Manny Diaz, Manny Diaz, former coach of the Miami Hurricanes. But he his connection to the ACC goes a lot deeper than that. This is a guy who went to Florida State. He started out at Florida State and then was a grad assistant at Florida State before moving over to NC State, where he was for five years with the Wolfpack. See, he is someone who knows the ACC really well. Um, his career has been in a lot of different places, but he's he spent most of it in and around ACC teams. So he he certainly knows what he's in for at Duke and what he's in for in this conference. Of course, the most recent job he had was as the the defensive coordinator at Penn State. And Donald, man, he was super impressive with the Nittany Lions. Give me a little bit of what you're feeling about this hire of one of the guys who's considered one of the best defensive minds in the business. So... Let's
0: start off by this. I want mean, you you mentioned a little bit of his history, you mentioned that he went to Florida State and started his coaching career there as a grad assistant in 1999. That was when Florida State won the national championship. So he started out, yo, that's that's the way to do it, right? Never first 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 year out you win a national championship, that's that's the best way to go. But like you said, he is very familiar with ACC, uh you know, not just stops at NC State, Miami and Florida State, but also he coached at Texas for a couple of years under Mac Brown, who of course is the uh, coach at UNC, he was fired from Texas after Taysom Hill uh, gave Texas the business one game, uh, and Manny Diaz is probably looking forward to circling the calendar for that UNC game as a little bit of retribution. Um, we'll look at the schedule uh, of who he may face down in a little bit, but Jason, everywhere he's gone as a defensive coordinator, at some point that defense has done well, whether it's been in conference or national. Everywhere leading the big 12 with Texas leading going national. Uh, He had national uh, records with Penn state. They were one of the top defenses in the entire country this past season, middle Tennessee state, Mississippi state, Louisiana tech, Texas, Miami, Penn state since 2006, Jason, he has been a defensive coordinator except for the three years that he was the head coach at Miami. So this is something where, again, it's a second uh, head coaching stint. Uh, Also fun fact. He even though he went to Florida State, he grew up in Miami. His dad was the mayor of Miami when I was at law school in Miami, so he has those ties. Yes, yeah, um, and that's kind of partly why he ended up back at Miami uh, as a defensive coordinator and then as a head coach is that tie from to home and and the the Manny and his dad was also named Manny Diaz. Manny has a son named Manny, so there's there's a lot of Mannys out there. Um, but Manny Diaz, I guess, Junior of the second is the one that's going to be taking over as head coach. I think the one thing that you have to understand about Manny Diaz is he is a player's coach. Players love playing for him. Because of that, they fly to the football, and he likes to have an aggressive style of play. I will say on an aside, we'll talk about the Miami years as head coach in a little bit, but as defensive coordinator, Jason, he was the mastermind behind the introduction of of the turnover chain
1: I heard about this this is so great continue yes
0: he he wanted the the, I mean obviously everyone knows the turnover chain I don't need to explain what it is but the reason why it came about is because he wanted to give incentives to his players for getting the football and taking it away he wanted them to want to fly to the football be aggressive at going for interceptions going for fumbles and getting the ball so that the offense can put points on the board. Now. Sometimes that comes back to bite them, and we'll, we'll talk about that, and that, that happens when you have an aggressive defense. But what's really clear is that players love playing for him, Coaches love coaching for him. We, we talk about some of the staff right now. Jess Simpson worked with Manny Diaz at Miami. David Feely went to was at Temple when Manny Diaz was hired temporarily as the head coach of Temple. He was literally set to get on a plane to leave to go to Temple when Miami called and said, hey, Mark Rick is retiring. We want you. And not only did he stay at Miami to take over, he brought David Feely from Temple down to Miami, where he stayed until Mike Elko brought uh, Feely to Durham a couple of years ago. So the great thing about this is players want to play from. There's a lot of coaches who could stick around. You know, we've talked about Kevin Johns, the offensive coordinator. He could stick around. Trooper Taylor, who's the interim coach right now, he could stick around. Again, Jess Simpson and David Feely. Those are a lot of key coordinators and 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 position coaches and strength and conditioning coach that have been instrumental Ooh, to yeah. the success uh, of Duke over the last couple of seasons. And if they stick around, there's at least some continuity there uh, with the players. And that hopefully helps keep everybody in the portal um, or out of the portal. I should say we've, we lost a few guys in the portal, but uh, a lot of them were either expected well, it, or, or. It is or... worth
1: noting regarding the portal, Donald, mm. just because a guy enters doesn't mean he's leaving. Correct. Now, most of them do. But there's a healthy percentage, I think something like 15 to 20 percent, who end up going back to the school that they were originally at. Right. And that is absolutely possible with some of these guys from Duke. I, look, I, I I think Riley Leonard is gone. I think Aeneas Peebles and a couple of the other big time Jordan players, Waters and Jordan Moore or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Jack was more. I think Jordan Waters was was like
0: honored at senior day. Right. So like, yeah. That's where, okay, he's probably gone. But, Jason, you mentioned the portal. There's like 1,300 players in the football portal right now, and only 20 have decided to go somewhere else. So there's a lot of people still out right. there that are looking to see what what's out there. And like you said, a lot of them uh, could come back. Um, to their situations. We've seen that in basketball. I mean, I feel like Armando Bacot has declared for the portal like eight times in the last nine years and ends up back at UNC somehow. So it it, it can happen. <laughs> um, but what's good is that now we have a coach. Now we have some, at least the leader at the helm that can at least stabilize any runoff that there could be, anyone who was at ease of what could happen, they know who the coach is. They can talk to Manny Diaz, and I know Manny has already met with the players. Uh, I believe late last night he met with the current players. He met with the families of those current players this morning, and I believe the the recruits uh, of the recruiting class that we have coming in for next year, those guys who are still have not yet signed because signing day is not for another couple of weeks, He's going to meet with them uh, at some point today as well. At least talk with them via Zoom or what have you. So these are things that he gets to, you know, he has to get the ball off and running very quickly. And I, I want to say hats off to the current coaches that have stuck around, that have been Amen, instrumental yeah. in keeping this team together and keeping them focused. Trooper Taylor being one of them. He was, you know, while we were hiring Manny Diaz, he was down in Birmingham answering questions for the Birmingham Bowl on behalf of Duke. So those guys have done a lot to keep this team together and is really appreciated because that makes Manny Diaz's job
1: even easier to try and keep this team together as we build for the future. Uh, You know, I do want folks to understand the quality of the defensive coach that we're getting here in Manny Diaz. The Penn State defense this year, get ready for some stats. This is what Jason does. Jason's Mr. Stat Boy. Uh, 11.8 points per game. 11.8 11.8 points per game. That's what Penn State gave up. That was first in the country. 3.7 yards per play. 3.7 yards per play. Donald, that was also first in the country. Two yards per rush. That one blew me away. I saw that. I was like, the team only gave up two yards per rush. That was first in the country. Jason, you know where Jason, they were Jason, slackers, Donald? Jason,
0: put yeah. that in perspective. If you were six feet tall, the the average play is as is, is as long
1: as you are tall. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and wait, you know where they were slackers, Donald? They were they were slackers on on takeaways, on turnovers. They were only sixth in the country. They had two turnovers per game. They're only sixth in the country in turnovers. They were slackers, but but on the state
0: doesn't have the chain, so that's probably the reason. They there's right. no incentive.
1: But there there's one more, and this one blew me away. Sack percentage. Donald. If I told you that 14 percent of the time when someone drops back to pass against Penn State, that's about one out of every six, one out of every seven times that you drop back to pass against Penn State, they got a sack first in the that's the top of the, their sack percentage of 13 point eight percent was first in the country. That's absurd to think about. That is crazy. and that is the defense that Manny Diaz designed at Penn State. and that is why Penn State fans today, are apoplectic they are so upset to be losing this guy they feel like this guy was the key to their team's success the past few years they've been hovering around the top 10 for several years now and they think manny diaz is a major major reason why um so there's a, a funny story there's a penn state uh collective nil thing you know they, they they fund the players at penn state that has a partnership with a brewery to make what's called happy valley vodka and the profits from the sale of this vodka go, stored, go toward Penn State NIL activities. And there's a very prominent Penn State Twitter account that tweeted last night, that tweeted tweeted, tweeted, xed whatever you want to call it, last night and said, Penn State is going to win so many national championships from all the NIL money that's going to come from the amount of Happy Valley vodka that I'm going to drown myself with now that Manny Diaz has left. <laughs>
0: Jason, Jason, all I heard from that is we need Blue Devil Bourbon immediately. Um, <laughs> there you go. So baby. I don't know who's responsible for that, but make that happen. Make it
1: happen. Make it happen. Exactly. If I could have a sip of bourbon and be helping out Duke NIL efforts, that would that would be perfect. Buy all of it, Jason.
0: I think the one thing we need to look about when we think about you know the immediate future is next season's schedule because we we when Mike Elko left, we talked about what he will experience at AM. So we I think it's fair to look at what. Manny Diaz could expect in his first year in Durham. And now the schedule has not yet been finalized. I think we, we have a couple of non-conference games already on the slate at Northwestern on September 7th at home versus UConn on September 14th. And then at middle Tennessee on September 21st, remember Jason, he coached at one point at middle Tennessee. Uh, the also the, the also uh, coached at Florida state. We'll see them at home. UNC, of course that game is always circled, but, it has a little bit of significance because, Manny again, Manny Diaz was fired by Mac Brown back in 2013 and was basically singled out by Mac Brown. And, and I think that will be a nice little redemption game for him. We also are at home to SMU and Virginia Tech. Now, on the road, we go to Georgia Tech. We go to Wake Forest. We go to NC State, which, again, he coached at early. And we go to Miami. Now, these games, we don't know when these conference games are going to be scheduled. That happens. I guess the schedule is going to come out probably in early February is usually when it comes out. But there's a lot of games initially where he won't have any issues about getting himself riled up for the game. And again, like I said, he's going to be one to kind of turn around on his players and say, hey, do this for me. This is our first year. Let's do this together. And there's a couple of dates that we can circle. He can go, hey, I want wins on these on these calendars. So I, I count five. Now we just needed one more. We're bull eligible. So we can start there. <laughs>
1: there you go. There you go. I like it. I like it. All right. Look, we're going to take a quick, quick break. On the other side, we talked about how much the Penn State fans are are upset about losing Manny Diaz and, and about his long history with the ACC. Well, Donald is a big fan of Miami, Miami football, Hurricanes, Feeling down there about Manny Diaz is very different. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Hey there, Duke fans! You know, warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-created meals with options like calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. Factors, fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals.
0: That's right, Jason. And, Jason, I can tell you, I just got some meals. They're fantastic. And the great thing is, like you said, two minutes, mindless work, pop it in the microwave do what you need to do, and it's ready to eat. No more cooking, no more cleaning pots and pans. And also, there's a lot of choices with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So you'll always have new flavors to explore.
1: All right, so head to Factormeals.com slash DukeBB50. Use that code, DukeBB50, to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code Duke. BB50 at factormeals.com. Get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy. Factor Meals from the Duke Basketball Roundup. Back from the break, and we're not going to be too long. This is a DVR bites, and like the last bites went like an hour, which is not what's supposed to happen. <laughs> These are things small, happened bite sized. <laughs> In any event, uh, Donald, I want to get you very quickly to talk about from the perspective of Miami, what they think of Manny Diaz because he did a great job as a defensive coordinator there, and then he moved to the head coaching job. You you mentioned this earlier, replacing Mark Richt, and things did not go the way Miami fans had hoped.
0: That's correct. And I, I preface this by saying when, when we've been you know keeping track of all of these different rumors that have been going on about who uh, Nina King and the staff was hiring or, or at least talking to and Manny Diaz came up, I will admit I was one that said, hey, I'm not I'm not at all enamored with that prospect. And, you know, not necessarily enamored with him being hired as a head coach, because as a Miami fan, right, like you know I, I, I root for both. There are some legit concerns that we saw firsthand when he was the coach at Miami. So I'm just going to point out a couple of those deficiencies and then end it with what I think overall. The first thing is recruiting and recruiting in Miami. You have to understand recruiting in, in Miami is a mindset. It's a mentality and it's something that they take very seriously. And it's not necessarily a lot of people call it a delusion or whatever. That is not the case. Miami is one of the more fertile recruiting ground, beds for talent and football in the country, not, not Florida, Miami. And in fact, when Miami, when Miami hurricanes think about Southern Florida, they think about Miami Dade and Broward County. They say, if they can get every good recruit from those two areas, Miami Dade and Broward County, which is Fort Lauderdale, if they can get every recruit from there, they will never have to recruit anywhere outside. And there will be a top five team every single year. That's how good Miami football is. And over the years that Manny Diaz was there, he didn't really, he got some guys from from that area, but he struck out on a lot of the top talent. And I think that's first off what made a lot of Miami fans go, yo, this is not working. And the other thing is when you think about recruiting. It, it... Hey, hey,
1: Donald, really, really yeah. quick. And I ask, was it that he didn't do as well as they'd hoped with local talent? You talked about, you know, mining that Miami market, or was it that his entire national recruiting wasn't that great?
0: It's a little bit of both because when you think about Miami's for, for Duke, we're thinking about mostly we're getting three stars, four stars. And it, you know, recently we've been going after and maybe even getting a couple of five star recruits at Miami. They think they should be getting all five stars, maybe some four stars. They, they think recruiting wise, again, being in Miami, they should be getting those type of guys. And they weren't doing that. They, he only had two five-star recruits in his three years as head coach. Uh, both of them happened to be on the defensive side, but, The problem with it is that, again, when you see the great talent from that city go elsewhere and shine, a lot of people use that as a negative against Manny Diaz. And again, that's something that can be improved, right? He, I I don't know the state of his how much he was recruiting at Penn State and what he was doing, but that's going to need to step up at Duke because, again, for us, three and four stars are going to be great. That's most of the talent that we have coming in uh, to the program at this point. The one thing that is different about his defense. Like I said, it's very aggressive, but that, and, and the turnover chain is one thing. And we love the turnover chain in Miami. Like we, I actually hate that they got rid of it because it was it introduced a lot to college football and it introduced the swagger that Miami wants to have always. But what it also brought was a little bit of undisciplined play in the form of, again, giving up bad plays, big plays, and also the defense disappearing at pivotal moments. The other thing that it does is it leads to penalties at the wrong time. And a lot of times drives where they, you know, the defense could have stalled the opponent were long, were were lengthened because of the fact that a key penalty pass interference or legal hands the face or something, they became undisciplined at the wrong times. And that was something that he just was not able to reel in. And I think at the end of the day, the great thing about it for Duke is that those things can be improved. Like, He's not going to be the same coach in my mind that he was in Miami, you know, the last you know, three or four years ago. He's probably grown as, a, as immature as a, as a, as a coach, but also what he needs to do and what he didn't do well at Miami that I hope he improves here is his management of the program. And by that, I mean, he he's not going to be calling all the plays on defense. He's not going to be f- super hyper focused on making sure the defense performs. He has to look at everything. And When you're a head coach, of a college football program, Jason, as you know, you have to look at everything. You got to look at the offense, defense, special teams, you know, recruiting, resources, facilities, donors, all these things. And at Miami, he just was not equipped to handle that. And I think that's, again, his first coaching job being at Miami could have been uh, the catalyst for that, but he just wasn't good at that. And that's where my concerns lied uh, when we were considering him, because I don't know if he has, learn from that and i hope he has because for duke's sake if he's able to manage the program well get in some really good assistants, um and really get in some really elite uh position coaches then we're going to be very successful i think the one thing that is a saving grace to him and i think someone on the dbr forum said this is like like they have said he has come to durham and play and, and, and coached in durham before when he was with the miami hurricanes and a lot of people have said hey if someone can come to durham and look in the stands and go, I can win here. Then we need to take a look at him. And clearly, he has a philosophy that says, "Hey, I want to install, keep this trajectory going, and get it where we are consistently winning." Where, as we mentioned on the previous podcast, we hope that twenty years from now, that we are sick and tired of going to bowls, right? Going to like random bowl games. Yeah, we're not at that point yet. Uh, we're not at that point yet. But I, again, he went to bowls in all three uh, of his years at Miami as the head coach. His his defenses have been rated nationally in so many other programs and so many other stops that he has. So I ha- so that's why I say, despite the fact that I was not enamored that he was the pick, I am still all in on Manny Diaz and this program and getting it, to the, again, to the place that we think could go. Challenging itself for ACC championships. Hey, you know, with this playoff, if you get the ACC championship, yo, you get a chance to the at big, the big guns, right? You get a chance to play some of these big teams. And I think the scheduling might change, right? He likes to play some of these big games. He would schedule Florida. He would schedule Texas A&M, those type of teams. Uh, so maybe we see some some better, you know, not necessarily better, but like we see some a uh, step up in the number of teams we play that are of that national stature where, again, Notre Dame coming to Durham is one thing because they're you know, sometimes contractually obligated to, but like facing an Alabama and having an Alabama come to Durham where people go, oh, you're trying to do that. I think that's going to happen. I think again North Carolina a really good it's not it's not Miami by any stretch, but North Carolina has a lot of good football players. If he can handle that and out recruit NC State and Wake and UNC, then he's going to have a really good base to to go off of. So I I remain hopeful that he can do that. I again, I have my concerns and some people have their concerns of any coach that gets hired and I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not unique to that fact, but Um, having seen him up close, I know that those concerns still exist, but we have a chance to overcome them. And I think he has a chance to turn this program into a consistently really good program that is getting a lot of wins, going to bowl games and challenging for titles.
1: I like it. That would work for me. If we, if uh, that happens, I'll I'll be perfectly happy. Be perfectly happy. I'll, I'll, I'll say this about his tenure at Miami. Um, first of all, you mentioned recruiting, um, I know Miami's used to getting like top 10 kind of classes. At least that's what they think they should be getting. I mean, 24 seven says that all three of his classes when he was a head coach were ranked in the top 20. Um, and and his last two classes were both ranked number 11 in the country. Uh, you know, so I, still I get still that good. Miami yeah. fans make, they may complain a bit about that. It doesn't say to me, the guy's a bad recruiter. Uh, in fact, it, it says to me that he, he, he knows what he's doing. Maybe you know, maybe not elite, but he knows what he's doing. And then the other thing is a failed, a failed circumstance. Like he had, like, I mean, it wasn't terribly failed. It's not like they were awful. They went to bowl games and stuff. It's relative. A situation-
0: right? I'll admit that it's relative. Like what Yeah. Miami going 10 and one would be a failure of a season to Miami fans. But to us, we would be like, yo, take that and put that on the, on the refrigerator with a gold star.
1: Yeah. But so I was going to say like a, a you know, a, a difficult situation, like what he had at Miami I think probably taught him a lot. I'm I'm sure he had plenty of time to reflect on what went wrong, what he could have done differently over the past couple of years, where, when he's been at Penn state, um, you know, rehabilitating his image, so to speak, and also learning from a pretty darn good head coach in, in James Franklin. And I, I have every reason to think that maybe what, what problems he ran into at Miami, he can make not problems at Duke. And, and so I'm I'm enthused by this. I think this is a good hire. Yeah. Again, Jason, I'm I'm very
0: hopeful that he's learned from those mistakes, right? Uh, learned from his experience, uh, not just at Miami, but even at Penn State, right? Like, there's there's definitely times where the the defense didn't quite show up at those pivotal moments, and hopefully, he's learned how to to borrow from Carrolloss and how to handle the hard better next time. And Jason, the the last point I'll make on this is two years ago when Mike Elko was hired, you, Sam, and I all said that. The mark of of progress, the mark of of a program that's on the upswing, is that Mike Elko will leave right to go somewhere else in you know two or three years. It, it didn't take two years for him to leave, but that was because he had built a successful at least base of a program here. And Manny Diaz is in the position to do the same thing. He's he's not he's still young. He turns fifty in March, and he's going to be motivated to do well here because it could springboard him down the line to another job. And I think people need to understand that I'd rather have this, a a coach that comes in, does well and gets yanked. I, my hope several years from now, five, 10 years from now, as opposed to two, but at some point they leave on their own terms rather than be fired. Uh, And this is a new situation we're in because for the first time in over 30 years, We are hiring a coach to replace a coach who left on their own terms. And so I, again, just like myself, I extend that grace to Manny Diaz to get the staff in order to get his program, you know, the way he wants it and to build this program, continue building this program to a successful one. And I hope everyone does the same and not necessarily worry about who might be, you you know, calling him a year from now if we are successful. Let's get to the success first. We can worry about other
1: stuff later. I love it. That works. With that, we're done with this edition of DBR Bites. For Donald, I am Jason. We want to salute and welcome Manny Diaz as a new Blue Devil heading up our football team. We're very excited about it.
0: And and uh, a happy Hanukkah to you, Jason, and to Sam and to everyone out there who celebrates. I know Hanukkah started uh, yesterday, so I hope everybody uh, who celebrates is having a very happy eight days of joyous uh, joyous you know, friends and family and, and just camaraderie. Um, I know there's a lot going on, but I hope it's a
1: very joyful one. Yeah. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Your, your words are not lost on me at, at this trying time, but in any event, as I was saying, we're pretty much done here on the DBR podcast. We are, we would love to hear from all of you. DBR podcast at gmail.com is the way you reach us. Donald and I will be back just a couple of days after the Blue Devil's latest game against the Charlotte 49ers in basketball this weekend until then again, he's Donald. I'm Jason and these noise you hear right now are the Duke band that playing us out and taking us home.